Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's SME sessions with myself and Jamie Heaslip. I am delighted to have Megan Cassidy in from Loving today. Uh, Megan, pleasure to have you here. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I've been enjoying the series so far. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. Much appreciated. Thanks very much. Uh, you suppose you really have to say it. I told you at the beginning of an interview. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm taking. I'm 100 taking a compliment from a from a content <laughs> content agency like Loban. Uh, I am like, yes, we'll take that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Loving we'll your work. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Megan, look, uh, to start off, I think everyone's familiar with Loving uh, at this stage, with them at this stage. Really, really, I was signed up from the very beginning this began actually to be honest it was because uh, I think it was when Jamie's involved or someone told me he was involved or seeing the press somewhere from the very beginning uh, so good little collaboration story to get the news out there I suppose probably quicker than normal so can you take us through loving where you are where it's come from basically where you are now it might bring up the pre-COVID-19 and we'll stop there and then we'll get into COVID-19 at the end if that's all right okay so pre-COVID-19 I think what's really interesting in the land of digital publishing, and it's certainly been true for Lovin, is that the landscape is always disrupted anyway. So we're quite used to having an existential crisis every six months when something changes. Um, and that's what we thrive off. And I think, you know, the, the smaller digital publishers like Lovin and like some of our competitors that have always been so nimble and so quick to change and quick to pivot, it's been kind of what's given us our advantage yeah. um, over some of the bigger juggernauts who, you know, are maybe stuck to spreadsheets and quarters and uh, we, haven't, we haven't had that. So we've always moved quickly. We're very used to pivoting. Um, and I suppose that brings me around to kind of the, the, the brand journey of Lovin. We were born of the, the Facebook age and we were built on that Facebook model um, where all of a sudden everyone is a news creator and everyone's a content creator. And, um, you know, as long as it's come stopping, that's the big goal. And, and audience growth was the, the big goal. Um, and that was, like, we're talking 2014, 2015, so Facebook has been around for, for a really long time. Um, but it's getting really exciting around um, people being able to partner with, not just provide solutions to your audience, but be able to provide solutions to brands by kind of leveraging this relationship with the audience was really happening in, in 2014 and 2015. And people were really skeptical about it. And I think the biggest brand journey for Lovin has been this n nervousness around um, maybe before people understood branded content, you know, are you guys getting paid to do that review? Oh, of course you're saying that that meat platter is fantastic because you just got sent it for free. And there was this idea that Love and Dublin, it was kind of a snobbery thing and we would do anything for freebies. And it was, these people didn't really understand how branded content works. And that's fair enough because I don't even think publishers understood fully how it was going to work yet. And influence marketing wasn't a thing at all. So as the years went on and we started really understanding the audience and volume became the thing and it was all about how many page views you have a month and how many clicks you have a month um, and how many video views you have a month that can kind of breed maybe not the best work um, and it's a human thing and it's happened on a global scale and obviously it's a Facebook's biggest problem is making sure that the content is of value and how the algorithms can make sure that the content is of value. Um, but we said it, it, the first crisis of confidence probably happened in February 2018. 
and I was with the business for six months and the Facebook algorithm changed. And Jamie, you'll remember this because we just grabbed, we were grabbing on with white knuckles, wondering what's going to happen. Our whole model is built on Facebook. Facebook is our shop window. Um, They're eating our lunch. What's going to happen? And we had to pivot really quickly and we had to make sure that we had a relationship with our audience that wasn't depending on any other platform, that it was a direct relationship and that we could give real value to them and that it was no longer about creating content to get more numbers. It was about keeping that audience and creating more content for them, to keep them coming back. How can Loveland become part of your habit? Our goal and any digital publisher's goal is for the user to go to the, their device and say www.lovendublin.com. So rather than scrolling through a, a platform, another person's platform and seeing yeah. it and stopping it, that's the ultimate goal. Okay, great. And that's actually very interesting for people for, again, these interview series are to- hoping to bring value to business owners and people that may be thinking of going into business. And it's very easy to kind of think of the, you have to go on the platform, you have to have the Facebook or Instagram, and that's your only kind of way to communicate. But you're right, if you can train your, your customers or try and create that really value-add content, they should be coming directly to you, which is, yeah. which is brilliant. Exactly. So that's why we said, okay, what do we do really well? What do our audience really like from us? They love our food content. They love our recipe content. They are like micro-influencers in their own group. So they want to know first when something new is opening, when something cool has happened in town. And, and also the converse of that, when, when maybe standards of service aren't so great. And, and we can play a role in improving standards of service by calling it out. Um, and, you know, just guiding people to where what the best things to do are. So really what we do is we tell people how to spend their time and money. It's really simple. It's not that nice of a mission statement. But that is what we do. It's, it's making the most of your resources. So we decided, okay, let's make sure that every single piece of content we create is actionable, that after you read it, you can go and do something off the back of it. So whether it's a recommendation um, for a new branch or, you know, if, if, we're, if we're giving you information now in the middle of a pandemic, we want to make sure that it's really actionable content that's not a passive experience where you read it and you head out and then you don't know where you, you saw it. This is something that, you know, it's functional content. So search is really important for us. Again, it's Google and it's, it's, you're, you're still giving someone your lunch, but they, we want to be able to answer questions when you search, what's the best brunch in Dublin? We want to be first and we want to provide an answer for the audience because that's a much more meaningful relationship. And then when you're giving value to the audience, the client's, the customer, the, the branded relationships come naturally. And I think that's a much kind of more organic way to do it. Right. But it's actually a very good blueprint, Jamie, isn't it, for anybody really that's even thinking of starting a business what? or thinking of going online if they have been, haven't yeah. had a massive online presence. It's not rocket science. We keep saying this every week. Listen to people like Megan or <coughs> Tom Gannon or whoever. We have Tommy Bow, anyone that's been on. It's all really kind of straightforward. It's not rocket science. Well, well, it's probably, it's easier than it looks. I think. No, it's, no it's, yeah, don't be disrespectful saying I'm saying yeah. that. It, it, just to stick to your principles, though, it is definitely. Well, hard and, and that's I think that's the hardest thing. I mean, um, and and this is why I, I kind of I'm really interested in, in in talking a lot more about this this content creation space because as we see more uh, SMEs and businesses in general 
either go from there, they could have been online and were pure B2B, and now they're pivoting and are, are kind of changing up their attack to more B2C. You have traditional businesses that weren't really online, and now they are. And, and it's how they, they could have had a really loyal uh, customer base, like really loyal customer base, but it's how they, how do they, how do they kind of stay true to that tribe and uh, when they move online? And how do they provide value? Like, Maggie, you said, um, you, you, you said it's not that glamorous telling people where to spend their money. But if you, if you think about it, like they work bloody hard to get that money. So actually showing them where they can get, where, where they can feel like they're getting value uh, is, re is, is a really good role to play, I think. And, and I think getting that message across by being authentic and being true to your tribe, because it was something actually, Paul, that we touched on very early on. And I'm interested to hear your point of view on this, Megan, in terms of, like we, we talked about, actually, you know what? Don't worry about trying to grow your business right now through this, through this like tough times. Actually curate and really, um, uh, what's the word? Nurture what you have really, isn't nurture it? Nurture and reinforce those relationships that you do have because that loyalty that you build with them will, will, will you know, that will stay forever. And then they'll become your best marketers. They'll be the people, you know, telling your mate going, oh, well, you know, this shop here, you know, you know, you know I wore Tommy Bow stuff, you know what I mean? And I really, really liked it, whatever. There's no yeah. way you bought Tommy Bow stuff. <laughs> I have to have a point. Like, I did not like that he went with Jamie Roberts as opposed to me last week, but we won't get into I that won't now. Get back into anyway, that, keep going. <laughs> so, back to, so back to the, the whole... Um, curating audience space, Megan, what, what are your thoughts or what are you seeing or, or what was kind of the theme of that coming into COVID? You've hit the nail on the head around the fact that even though it's, it's a really simple idea of telling people how to spend their time and money, if you're improving someone's quality of life every day by showing them how to make the most of their resources, what more could you want? What is loftier than that? And it kind of when we do that, and our first thought when the pandemic started becoming a topic of conversation was, oh, what we do is we tell people how to, how to go out and eat and where to go and drink, and it's all about out and about. But actually, it really transcends that because it's about making the most of your resources wherever you are. And that was the initial idea of Love in Dublin was making the most of your, your resources in the city. And then we launched Lovin.ie and it's wherever you are all around the world, it's, it's travel. And that applies to when you're at home as well. Um, how to make the most of your, um, your, your cash, which is you know, more important than it's ever been, and how to make the most of your time. So we did a quick pivot there. The first thing we said was, well, look, the first thing we said when we heard about COVID was, oh my God, what's gonna happen? hold on tight, who's going to cancel um, the partnerships that we have booked? And then we had to really convince ourselves to move away from that line of thought and just think about the audience again, because they're going to be there in their droves. And as you said, Jamie, create more content for the audience that we already have. Don't worry about audience extension and getting new bodies in and new advertisers in. Let's create the best content that we can for the audience that's now at home and found themselves in a completely new situation and is looking for more inspiration than ever. And then once we have that relationship with the audience, we'll be able to offer solutions to brands. So when I first started at Lovin', it always felt like, and, and this is the fun of it, is that every month you come in, uh, 
and it feels like you're walking into a casino in Vegas mm -hmm. and you don't know where you're going to land and you have to fight for the business and you have to fight for every deal. And Jamie, you'll know this inside out and it's, that that's fun and you know every win is like you ring the bell and it's that amazing like startup culture and startup feeling and then we got to a place where we had encouraged kind of a more partnership environment because it's less about volume and more about tangible business results if i can find um you know 20 people who are looking to buy their first home in Dublin and link them in with solutions from AIB. Isn't that so much better than 2 million page views that mean nothing to anyone's business? Um, so it was a partnership environment whereby we were coming into the month with a lot more security around where we were going to land. We knew what we were going to do and we could focus on, you know, growing those campaigns rather than always reaching for new business, new business, new business. And then when COVID landed, we were walking back into the casino and no one knew what was going to land. Where all on black eight, all on black eight. <laughs> no windows anywhere. <laughs> um, so it ended up, you know, because we had those partnerships already developed and now people were moving to make all of their lifestyle decisions online. And we were already trying to facilitate that relationship. We were lucky we haven't it hasn't been like the, the biggest quarter we've ever had of course we have struggled there's been there have been big challenges but we were lucky in that we had already set people up to start making lifestyle decisions online um, and anyone who was kind of worried about that or nervous about the digital idea was kind of forced to embrace it and forced to listen to us um, and listen to how exciting that actually is because we always would I, I love the whole Pokemon Go phenomenon around, you know, your device literally facilitating a real life experience. It brings you in, you're following a map and real world and digital world are completely, um, the lines are blurred and that's probably the way it should be. And now everyone is, all of everyone's social interactions are happening online. All of your lifestyle decisions are happening online when it comes to content and I know we're going to get to content in a minute it's it's you're at the point of conversion already so how can we facilitate that better or how can we answer your question um and you know brands that had never considered it before are now considering it so we're still in Vegas we still don't know where we're going to land but you know everything has changed forever and e-commerce is going to be bigger than ever and that's something that we are certainly going to be focusing on as well as kind of curating e-commerce lists but look we spend all of our time analyzing trends that's that's all we do um so it's a, you have to really do that when you're in the business analyze what's going on around you yeah. megan you mentioned something earlier on which i was really interested in relation to and uh, i think i wrote down here was your small and quick to change I kind of said like quick, well, big ships take longer to turn than small ships, like you know, which is brilliant. Small boats, uh, and I think that's something that a lot of people forget when they are a smaller business or trying to grow their business. The bigger you do grow, the harder it is to change, and the harder it is. The more staff you have, the more payroll, the more expenses you have. That when something does come along like a storm, it, it is really difficult. So I think that's a that's something for people to remember. I suppose that it is easy. It is easier if you can turn your ship quickly and you have every small business as you mentioned has nearly a challenge daily when they wake up whether you're you know whether you're a smart electrician or a bricklayer or whether you're an accountant or a solicitor and you run your own business 
every day is a challenge. Uh, just that COVID happened to be a massive one. Uh, but again, if, if you have that mentality and you're in business, it's easier to do. Becky, do you mind talking me through, before we get into the kind of content stuff and that, your journey, because I was interested, I know you got made uh, managing director late 2019, congratulations, uh, the, the company uh, obviously seeing the pandemic coming, I wanted you with the helm, so that was brilliant. <laughs> Uh, so just talk to us through your time. You were there since what 2017, was it you started? Uh, so talk us through just your personal stories. I think, again, for these interview series, we're trying to promote is that, okay, it's great to own your own business, it's great to grow, but it's also great to be pointed at MD of a big company as well, and a, a, such a well-trusted company. So how did you how did you put it off? I'm <laughs> uh, talk us through, got to join the company in 17 and not move along. So I find a lot of people just move on fairly quickly and probably a little bit too soon. Uh, these days that commitment to the company just let me through that yeah it's mad because I've been here nearly three years which doesn't sound that long but in this landscape that is a lifetime and I find myself saying to the younger guys who come in here like back in my when I started in digital content we were working 13 hour days like <laughs> you're not that old um but that's how quickly it kind of moves um and, you know, people move around really quickly. And it's something that now I think we're surviving COVID because we have people that have been on the ship for the last year that are, you know, we've got a team that knows the business inside out. Um, and, you know, it's that has really stood to us. It's a really kind of, the, the way the team works, it's not very, there's no silos. It's a very holistic company where everyone is across what's happening in every department because we're pretty small um, and I think that's really stood to us. But I started in 2017 as the editor and before that I had worked with Maximum Media um, and I'd worked in RTE and um, I had been in TV in RTE, I'd written a show and presented it for kids for three years um, did Maximum Media for a year, went to radio for a little while and then came here um, as editor and it's actually quite an unusual journey for um, an MD to have come from the editorial side of the business they usually come from the commercial side of the business yes. um, so that was unusual but I think it's kind of testament to the way that Lovin works is that it's not there isn't an editorial arm and a commercial arm it's very much a hybrid and it has to be like that I think if when you're creating content that you want to monetize audience has to be front of mind um but you know to have interesting though so you're saying that because it was easier for you to get that role because you were kind of intertwined in the sections that wasn't the kind of you're over there in editorial like, which is all traditional style one media companies probably you know editorial in the corner over there commercial lads or the sales team are out there and nobody talks to anybody oh yeah but because you're a small close-knit team it was easier for people to progress which which is very interesting it's a great way to think of it isn't it um, yeah. and like people will laugh because when i joined here in 2017 I think the word anti-commercial was actually thrown around about me because I was so protective of the editorial side of the business and the audience and so afraid of branded content and I didn't understand it and I was so viciously protective of them and then as the the my time went on in the business I started understanding how exciting it is to be able to 
solve a brand problem and an audience problem at the same time with branded content. And branded content changed dramatically um, and people were savvy to it. They knew it was sponsored. They didn't mind because it was transparent. And the, the stuff that you can do when you have a sponsor on board, just, you know, you can't do that without a sponsor. People understand now you have to keep um, a roof over your head. So I started getting really excited about the sponsored side um, of the business. And started, you know, the first big one that I um, was involved with was Tales and Trails with Fall to Ireland. And it was an idea that I had and I wanted, you know, um, Sonia O'Sullivan and Hector and uh, big names to, to do these walks. And Andy Lee, the boxer, I wanted to walk with him in the countryside for a podcast. And the only way I could do it is if we got a sponsor on board and if that sponsor had, you know, business goals that we could help uh, resolve through an idea. Um, and I spent all summer of 2019 creating that, which I never would have been able to do without a sponsor. And, you know, that's, that's how th this works. And that's when I became really kind of involved in the, the commercial side of the business and excited about the commercial side and the commercial opportunities. Um, and then, you know, when I was asked to be MD, I was so excited, so nervous because... And Jamie, actually, Jamie, you remember we went for a coffee kind of shortly after I had started as MD. And I was so obsessed with the finances and the balance sheets and the commercial side of the business. And Jamie actually said, well, Megan, you're, you're good at audience. Like, why are you taking your focus off what, what you're good at here and why you were put in this position? Um, remember what you're good at and focus on that. So I've kept audience absolutely front of mind and not let it be cannibalized by the need to make money you can have people in the right department megan don't you let them do their own thing like if it's a finance and the finance guys worry about it you know uh, but i think when you get that md role you get to the top of the company you, you think you need to look at you need to look at everything you don't need to manage everything yourself that's probably the truth. well as well paul like i always think um you know it, if the focus is, like this is, this is going to sound ironic you know but, it, but if the focus is purely on like finances, I, I think that leads to bad decision making down the line. Yeah. While yeah. It, you know what I mean, if you if you stay true to um, the values of your business and what you're trying to do and the mission around that, I think you have more of a chance of of like of of uh, creating a legacy and longevity. Which I mean, especially through these, that's what's going to test. That's that's testing a lot of SMEs. And we'll get into that now in terms of 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 how. Um, love and adapted through it and stick into their mission and stick into their values because it's bloody hard when you know you know there's very little income coming in and your costs are staying pretty much the same you know what i mean like it's, it's hard to do that i've yeah. always found that the finance guys <laughs> my account's gonna kill me but, this is uh, ironic now you're you're a financial advisor so go on let, tell, tell me about this uh, now i've been from the finance point of view in a company they just don't have the vision that if you have when you're an entrepreneur or if you you know, I don't know many people come to me uh, from a financial advice point of view and say, well, my accountant never told me this, my accountant never told me that. Why are you saying So, But the accountant's job is to look back last year and make sure your tax are sorted. It's not to look forward for the vision of the company. Now, some financial controllers will do that from a finance point of view, but they, it's their job and they're trained completely different than if you're a sales personality or if you're an entrepreneurial personality and you want to bring the company this way. You will take risks and you will kind of you know, dodge the corners with finance a little bit. That's their worst nightmare. So it's, uh, it, it is hard. It is right. I did see this thing the other day on LinkedIn, actually, and it was uh, Frank Sinatra didn't get paid to move the piano. You know, got paid oh. to sing, obviously. I thought it was a brilliant one. Uh, so that's, 
that's kind of what Jamie said to you. You'd be saying it the next time. You're going to rob that Jamie, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like there's something about human psychology that we're always just so drawn to our weakest points, and we start to obsess about what we're not good at. And I found I was waking up in the morning and going to the desk at seven o'clock to get to pull the finances apart and to get my head around the room and to get the sales piece. And it, you know, it's. The, the whole beauty of the this company and what you're saying around Frank didn't move the piano is that there's experts here mm. that know how to sell. And my job is to give them a product to sell. And it was, a, there's a lot of discipline around pulling yourself back from what you don't feel good at to actually nail down what, what, what your strengths are but you know the rewards are endless and that's it we can't forget that this is a business this is an audience business we're in the business of of audience and someone had said that to me at the start when my my career path had been so all over the place and I didn't study business in school and now I, I wish I had because I love it but <laughs> I didn't ever study it I was always creative when I did English and drama and I don't know how my parents let me do that but you know thank you to them for not forcing me to do anything <laughs> But you know, it's it, I can't even remember what my point is now after going off. <laughs> well, come here, uh, tell me about this. So, right, sorry, you, just you, one thing, Jamie. Sorry, before I say that, Meg, I think you just said Frank didn't move the piano, and I, I Frank didn't get paid to move the piano. I can see that being a sign above your door now, sooner or later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I that, that mural behind you there, but I love it. Uh, it'd be brilliant. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say, so I mean, look, we'll, we'll, we'll paint the picture here a little bit. You know, there was the what do we say the 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 story of the click farms last year right and in terms of so so you had that right and and you know that that kind of caused an issue in the in the in the marketing agency world in general not alone just content creation right so so the, the headwinds were tough in january february in general then come start of march you know, COVID starts hitting the Irish shore, the European shores, and, and, and kind of starts spreading throughout the, the world. Uh, lockdown happens. You had all these partnerships that you talked about. You kind of said your head was in a bit of a spin of who's going to go, who's not. Oh, wait, we actually have a whole lot of people coming towards us because of the way the platform is. What uh, hard and fast decisions did you have to make at the start? And then, you know, how, where was your mindset at the start? And how, uh, did it change? Um, or did it stay the same throughout the, the crisis? And then my second part, or you could say third part of this question, is um, in terms of the brands, so you obviously would have been working with certain brands beforehand, then certain brands would have come on board during, like you said. What was, you know, for SMEs that are watching this, what is good right now looking like in terms of content creation in in your opinion from what you're seeing with the with the partnerships because collaboration has been a big thing as well that we've seen with with different brands we were talking to tom gannon and cali he was talking about cali cali doing stuff with gym plus coffee and and um, stuff like that so what what is good right now in terms of content creation and and being authentic what does that actually mean okay um, your first question on obviously the, the maximum media, the piece, there was a huge existential crisis in November around digital and content and what it all means. Um, and, you know, what do impressions mean? If, if I'm spending all this money on digital display and I'm getting 200,000 impressions, what does that really mean for my business? 
And that's such an important conversation to have. And it's only served, I think, to make digital publishers more laser focused on what the actual tangible results that they can drive through their ideas are. So the funny thing about Maximal Media, and I worked in Maximal Media before, not at the time of the scandal, but I... Maybe, sorry, before you get into the scandal, do you mind me just kind of putting this into lame attention? What was it? So what, like, uh, forget about the impressions for a second, but the click fan thing, just for people that mightn't be familiar with this story, yeah. can we just explain what it is maybe for us before we get into it? Do you mind that? Because I think it might go over some people's head that are listening or watching this. Yeah, no, of course. It's, it's really simple. It's this bit... Digital is built on audience and you sell views and you yeah. sell listens and in this case the listens weren't reaching what was promised and there was a click farm employed to click 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 listen 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 oh. um, allegedly and the views were inflated and it kind of brought up a question of what does a listen mean who is listening who is viewing what are clicks what is it? Okay, so brought a bit of controversy to that kind of digital age. I think, I think I think it really as well. It like I'm, I'm like like what are the metrics that actually matter to a business? So we have all these SMEs now, for example, right now going online, and they think I'm gonna you know yes I'm gonna have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know we're going online and we're gonna post a couple of things, uh, and we get a certain amount of likes, but but. Really, I'm guessing, like Megan, what what are the metrics that matter to businesses now? Like, is yeah. it is it is it likes? Is it views? What what are the like? Can you can you kind of open that book a little bit? It's shifted away from volume completely. Thank God, because as I said at the start, it just breeds bad behaviour. Um, the 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 fundamental flaw of digital content has always been that we are selling something to a brand that isn't actually a product that you can just purchase. It's, it's not like we've got, um, we've got you know, a, a clothes shop with, with dresses on a shelf that you can come in and purchase. We're selling something a lot more intangible. And if I go out and I say, I've got 4 million page views a month, do you want some of that audience? It means nothing if the content doesn't resonate with that audience because every day we're going out to the battlefield to get the views again. We don't have an audience that wakes up in the morning looking at our screen and is ready to take whatever we, we give to them. So the, one of the most heartbreaking things is you can spend all this money on creating amazing organic content and spend money on talent and get millions and millions of views. And then KFC wants to come in and do an ad on your page and all of a sudden the views aren't there and, and why, where's the audience gone? Because the importance of native content and native content just means advertising through the voice of the publisher is that the brand listens to us about what we know about our audience and that you can create really meaningful content for the audience based on the relationship that you already have with them. It's really knowledge they're going down. I wasn't there listening, like even listening to you, Megan, you can see here the passion of the business and the passion of the, the audience. And that would make, in my opinion, a brand take that on board rather than, you know, X views or X likes or X impressions. Yeah. It has that, re and I think, hopefully it's gone back towards that model rather than just the click stuff. Yeah, so we would have said to brands, okay, let's, before we kick off this campaign, let's look at, metrics that matter 
does the page view matter or should we be looking at dwell time, time spent on the page? Because isn't that a much better indicator of a person engaging with a piece? Shouldn't we look at return visits? So people who are coming back again and again. So what if we have 200 users on this piece of content rather than 20,000, but they all came back twice or they all spent 10 minutes on the page? Yeah. They're so much more likely to convert. And at the end of the day, what's your business goal? Is it a mortgage drawdown? Is it a hotel booking? Um, is it footfall into the shop? You know, let's make sure that we're not spending all this money on a metric that we don't understand. Imagine people are buying things that they don't fundamentally understand, like display advertising. They're buying it without looking at what the actual result they want is. So we will sit down with a brand and say, what do you want? And a great example is our partnership with AIB. Um, they wanted to drive mortgage drawdowns and we made sure that with a hub that acted like a resource that people would come back again and again and again and that's the metric that we wanted was return visits dwell time engaging with the page and um, showing up to the events where we then introduce you to a mortgage advisor and you set up a meeting and we had more than 200 leads and by lead we mean they set up their meeting and they showed up for a meeting um, with a mortgage advisor to start their journey. Doesn't that mean so much more than 2 million page views on an article that you can't really quantify what the result was? So that's been a positive thing that we can now sit down and that's a huge campaign, but we do with every business we work with. And um, we'll go to, you know, we don't actually, not a lot of our revenue is driven by bars and restaurants um, because that's the stuff that we do organically. Um, but a lot of our stuff, and I suppose it comes back to actually the second part of your question, Jamie, um, is the FMCG, so food and grocery. You know, how can we speak, to, what is it about our content that our audience loves so much that we can incorporate your brand into? And we have cornered accessible recipe content. Um, we don't do, you know, the nuances of the salmon mousse, maybe, but we'll do a big dirty meat platter. Um, or, you know, what was the one that you pointed out, Paul? Jamie, Jamie is smiling. Uh, Jamie's <laughs> smiling. Uh, I actually love the, I said this morning, actually, I was on before we did the interview. It was the uh, Grave Diggers Coddle in Pancake. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, it's always, you're right, it's something that just draws your attention. And I, genu I genuinely mean this, not because we're interviewing it, but you've got to love it. You'll always find something that draws your attention which I always find intriguing because it's very hard for a site to do that or a, a digital agency to do that, no matter what. Like, I did not expect the formats. And I shared it with my wife. It was called her dad does as well. So I sent it to two of them. Uh, yeah. like, that was before we came on as he was waiting for it to wait for Zoom. I was like, they're going to love this. Uh, it's, just, it's just so simple. And, and, and the share is so easy. Yeah. yeah. Sharing, like every piece of content that we write, we want it to be authentic, to our voice and our value and our value is, is this helping our audience member make the most of their resources? And we want it to be shareable. Why would I tell my friend about this? Because I can go and share an experience with them. We can go and do it yeah. together. And those are the two key pieces. And because we work very quickly and we create, you know, 30 pieces of content a day, all of the guys need to have that in the back of their mind. It's like the litmus test. Does this help them spend the resource? And is it something that I would share with my friend? Does it, you know, create that community feel. Um, and if you're doing that every time, it transcends what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so with, with that in mind, um, 
and like in terms of of uh, right now, okay, and and you're a business, you're an SME, uh, costs, you know, you have to watch your costs right now, okay, because, uh, you know, as things are, are slowly opening up and, and um, we're not, you know, we're a good bit off where we were in mm. January, February, but um, what, like, what advice would you be giving in terms of content creation um, to an SME right now? You know, what's, what's the best thing they can do with the free, even free tools that are out there? What I would say is take advantage of the fact that the digital ecosystem actually prefers raw, rough and ready content. It's about the message. It's not always about production value. You don't always need to spend a huge amount of money on lighting and cameras and fancy graphics and animation and like that works and it's great and I love that we, we do that here. But if you can identify a message or a feeling that you can give to your customer um, or user, you can, there's, you can pick up your phone and, and create something that's, that's really impactful in that space. Um, so think about the message. If you're using social media, I always laugh when I look at um, Instagram pages that have, you know, the highlights and they have all these fancy colors and it's really slick and it's overly produced. Do you watch those highlights where, where you see this fancy graphic or do you watch a highlight where you see a snippet of a filthy burger with cheese coming out of it? It's rough and it's raw and it's real. I'll click that one rather than the beautiful logo. What I, what I find funny about that magazine, people put those lovely highlight wheels up and there's nothing in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. any content to put in them. Yeah. What the fuck's the point? Like, why would you yeah. even bother? Uh, they've got somebody in they create and paying somebody to maybe create their page. Uh, yeah. And they forgot about the basics, which is creating the content. Well, obviously, I produce a lot of content for us, Paul, and we do it, and I love doing it because it's value. But I see so many people bring people in and create lovely Instagram, like a lovely shop window with absolutely nothing in the store. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's really strange. I just don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Crazy. I heard, I heard a great phrase yesterday um, by David Bowie. Don't play to the gallery. So yeah. play, play, play to that person, that, that like diehard fan that's like at the front. Mm -hmm. And they're like staring at play to that person. That's a great yeah. one, actually. Yeah, it's almost yeah. as good as Frank didn't pick pay to me off the piano. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like play, play to your, play to your strengths. Play to, uh, but and this is sorry. I'm, I'm kind of this is what I'm hearing coming from you, Megan. In terms of play, play to your strengths. Play to your values. Yes, it's nice to have all that production value behind it, but it's it's worthless anyway unless it's kind of true to you, true to your audience. Um, and true to your customer. So if you're an SME and you're now kind of going online, you're trying to think, how do I get to the, you know, how do I get to the customer? I've just flipped from B to B to B to C. How do I get to them? It's it's creating content and you can do whatever, which way that is, through which way, channel. Don't worry about the production value of it. Just worry about the actual message and the content. Is that is that ah, fair? Clarity of message is everything. And there is no point now, everyone's coming over to social media, so it's busier than ever. And you've got all of these call to actions everywhere. Book at your table, buy this, buy that. But no call to action ever works without the initial hook. Why, would, why does the person care about your piece? Don't bother telling me to book or, or buy a new product without telling me why it matters to me first. So get that hook first. Think about what that is. Whether it's a question that has a really simple answer, like 
I saw a great one the other day by Samsung. I was like, what do you value most in a phone? The design or the, the spec, the technology? I can answer that really quickly. I'm already engaged. Rather than I see a lot of brands coming on and saying, what are you struggling most with in COVID? I'm like, that's a really big question. I'm, I'm not really able to <laughs> a lot that. going on. Yeah, I So it needs to be laser focused on what the value is that you're offering. Get that hook right. Don't worry about insane production value. If you have the message correct um, and the call to action then follows on, but you'll never get anyone to, to, to do something unless they've felt something first. And I think, Jamie, you said you asked earlier about what's next when it comes to trends. And you guys have probably noticed that self-improvement is now that everyone's at home and they're staring at themselves in the mirrors and they're kind of really having a lot of time to be with themselves. They're thinking, what are my processes? How can I streamline my processes? Mental health is a huge one. Um, how to make the most of their finances. Paul, I'm sure that's you're seeing an uptick in that. That, that man, that man is as busy as he's ever been. Yeah. He's, he's, he's impossible to get on, get, get on a call. Yeah. And, and that's where I think content is going. If you can show someone how to be a better version of themselves, don't showcase the product. It's show them who they can be when they use that product. Oh, I love that, Megan. I must say, I love that. I'm going to take that out as a sound bite to promote this interview because that's, that's literally that's what everybody should be trying to do. Uh, and, uh, and people will resonate with it. They really will. Um, Megan, if you were to, if I was to, if I was to sit down a small SME business in front of you, or someone that was thinking of going out on their own from business, uh, what would the top three things you tell them, Valkyrie? I know I've gone through all this probably a little bit, but what would be your kind of the top two things even you would say to them uh, from a content point of view of going out online and going into that big bad world? Because everyone does chase the followers, everyone does chase the number, uh, yeah. which you know is 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 bull. But what would you say? Number one is don't try and reach everyone. And it comes back to what you're saying about Bowie and the, the gallery. Do not try and reach everyone. Identify who your audience is and make sure that they can self-identify as that person as well. So who's a dog lover? I know I'm a dog lover. That's something I can self-identify as. So I'm your customer. Only play to those people. Audience extension means nothing on digital if those people aren't engaging with your content. If you don't like my recipe videos, unfollow me, get off the page because you hurt me every time you don't like my video. Then I, and I don't mean personally, although yes, it personally hurts, but you <laughs> hurt my business every time you look at a video and you move on. Every time you look at my image and you don't press like, you're hurting me because the platform won't show me the next time. So make sure you identify that audience and that they can self-identify and that you are playing to them with every single piece of content that you create. Um, and then once you have that audience, focus on the one thing that you do really, really well, create more content for that audience rather than trying to create more audience for your content, I think. I don't know. I'm not a business expert. I didn't go to business school. <laughs> you're it's doing a good job of being one in fairness. Uh, so you're on the right path. Uh, oh, that's number one. Number two. Oh, I gave you two there. Oh, two was in there. I thought you were on the side from content. Sorry, you didn't say number two. <laughs> so I thought there was all the content that created for your audience. <laughs> so number one is identify your audience and don't try yeah, and ask just play to them. Yeah, and number two is pick that one thing that you're really good at. And make sure that every piece of content, you know, is towards that bigger goal. For us, it's 
show people how to spend, how to make the most of the resources. Every piece of content has to do that, no matter what I'm doing, what I'm selling. If it doesn't do that, there's no point in putting it on my channel. You want, obviously, the goal is to, to become a habit for people. That's the holy grail, but it's, it's, it's really difficult to achieve. Um, but it, it, you can only do that if you're, if you're genuinely giving value to them every single day. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Megan, listen, I suppose just to, to, to kind of wrap this up, that was, now Seth and Jamie said we do this show and these episodes purely to try and bring value to people, doing the interviews yeah. with each other and talking to each other every week in business during COVID-19. But that's absolutely hit the nail on the head for anybody. And I love going through the likes of the Click Farm debate. Didn't realise, honestly, didn't know it was that click that silly because um, I'm not in that world, obviously. So I hope that resonates with people helping remain true and honest to their brand. Uh, but there's just buckets of value in there for people. So uh, thanks a million. That was absolutely brilliant. I really, really, really appreciate your time. I know you're up to your eyeballs. Not at all. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thanks, Megan. Uh, Megan, that's great. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a million. Thank you. Jamie, that was brilliant. Uh, really enjoyed that chat with Megan. She's she's a breath of fresh air. As you keep saying about everybody, actually, but it's just it's amazing that the people that want to come on and chat to us are all very similar, isn't it? it it's yeah, that you you see a lot of common traits, and 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 you see a lot of um, yeah, you 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 see a lot of we've talked about this ad nauseum now themes coming up, but um, I actually and and you said it, I actually felt like I was almost in a lecture and, and she was just imparting this wisdom yeah. on, cause we all think we're good, right? We all, we all think we're whizzes on social media, yeah. Woo! Yeah. but like that's their business. Digital, yeah. digital publishing is their business. And, and it's really encouraging to see that even though it's online and it's like in the magical cloud, whatever that is, that the theme of staying true to what your values are, your mission are, um, who your tribe is and, and, and speaking to them stays true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it is, and like I said, we said the same with Joanne uh, from Clever Coast, as soon as we were out breath of fresh air. And like I said, it's uh, it's great. It, it's, you know, I hope these sessions actually do just bring so much value, these interviews or these episodes to people because uh, I would have loved them to give these a time and listen, you know, 10 years ago when I was starting mm. off, uh, you know, in business and, I didn't have that kind of content. I didn't have that people. You're trying to tap people up that you knew were doing it probably before. But I think that's the good thing about social media and the good thing about the industries now is that everyone will give their time. Everyone will give. Yes, okay, there's a bit of brand promotion, obviously, for Loving. There's been the same for Clever Clogs and Tom Gallon and Tommy Ball and everyone else that we've interviewed uh, and Bujo Burger for Grania. They all get a little bit of something, but they're ultimately signing up to share their message with people. I think that's brilliant, and I think well, like that's success in business. If you don't want to do that, you're you're, you're kind of you're, you're you're on the wrong path. Look, I I think um, collaboration in general is it will give you longevity, yeah. right? And I think as well, SMEs. Like I've said this, and I will I will say this till the cows come home. SMEs are going to be the ones that really pull us through and yeah. bring us out uh, the other oh, side. Right? SMEs in this country, sole traders. It's it's two It's a hundred percent them. And if we can help, if we can help, if we can help one, two, three, four guys or, or sorry, like companies. Yeah. Like the, the knock-on effect of not alone just who they employ, right, yeah. but who their those employees kind of. Who, where they spend their money, um, how they spend their money, who depends on them, and um, the businesses depend on that 
employer in general. There's a, there's a whole network effect. There's there. a whole network. It, it is a whole network. It is, and, and it's brilliant. And I love it every time I listen to. And being a business owner as well, and you know, even from financial advice, but I've, I've said thousands of companies, boardrooms, and thousands of business owners from minus pension plan investments or whatever it is, and. I'm always intrigued to learn from them and listen to them. That's why I think these SME sessions are great because it's not very often you get someone, you know, to share like that for an hour uh, and literally tell you what they do, why they do it, how they do it, what the key messages are. Uh, mm. I think that's what's really unique. So, uh, now Deloitte, another, another, another good one. Bag, buddy. Uh, so, uh, don't need to get that one out on air for everybody. Yeah, uh, right, Jamie, yeah. we'll give a shout later, all right? All right, bud. All right, you, man. Bye.